Thank you for tuning into the Freedom Church podcast, where you can catch our Sunday sermon on demand at any time. Hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the content that's shared every week at our local church in Round Rock, Texas. Here's this week's sermon. Merry Christmas, everyone, and Christmas is the only holiday we count down until it arrives, right? We say things like just 20 more days until Christmas. We, we don't do that for Thanksgiving. We don't do that for the 4th of July. But when you hear how many days there are until Christmas, it can cause great excitement or if you're over a certain age, it can, cause a lot, it can cause a lot of stress and anxiety, can't it? How many of you are feeling some anxiety right now because you still have so much to do and you realize Christmas is already tomorrow? Raise your hand if you're one of those procrastinators for Christmas. There's some of us in here. And if there's some of us that are kids under a certain age and you're like, I cannot believe Christmas is still a whole day away. It's crazy how Christmas that once brought so much joy to us as children now can bring so much stress as adults, isn't it? Nothing for me is as stressful as Christmas shopping. Like, it's just hard to find a parking spot. This morning, I was going to HEB, picking up the last couple of... Uh, things that I need. I was just parking and par- trying to park, driving around. Sometimes I feel like a stalker because I'm wondering if that person is actually going to get in the car. Then all of a sudden, out of the corner of your eye, you see a parking spot. You think it's going to be open. You drive up to there only to find out that they've double parked. Nothing's more annoying than a double parker. You know what I do to double parkers? I go there, I get out my keys, and I say, don't double park anymore. No, I don't do that. I'm just kidding. I've done it in my heart, but not in real life, only in my heart. But what's really stressful about Christmas is finding that perfect gift for that special someone. For me, it's my wife, Jennifer. I ask her what she wants for Christmas, and she says, I don't really want anything. Woe to the man who believes that lie. If your wife says she doesn't want anything, she's flat out lying to you. She wants something, and you better figure out what she wants, or else it's not going to be a good Christmas. See, Christmas can, can be stressful. But if you're under a certain age, it can also bring great joy. When I was a kid, I, I couldn't wait for, for Christmas. I used to start counting down the days in July. I would get out. Some of you guys will remember this. My mom's Sears catalog. How many of you guys remember a Sears catalog? Raise your hand. Some of you guys remember the Sears catalog. A Sears catalog. This, for those of you guys in the room that are under the age of 30, this was Google before Google. Like, this was our Amazon Prime, right? So this is how I used to Christmas shop back in the day. And... Uh, I would spend hours flipping through the pages trying to find the perfect toy. But have you noticed how the perfect gift changes from year to year? For example, for those of people in 1975, the top selling gift was this thing called the Pet Rock. They actually sold 1.5 million Pet Rocks for $3.99. This is what you did. You get a rock and you put eyes on it. I think everybody was high in the 1970s to buy that, right? And then in 1977, the top gift was this called the Sony Beta Max VCR player. They sold this baby right here for $2,999. Now you can't even give away a VCR, right? 
1981, the, the gift started getting better. The top-selling gift in 81 was this thing called the Rubik's Cube. How many of you guys have wasted hours of your life trying to put together a Rubik's Cube, okay? Let's be honest this morning. How many of you guys still have never put together a Rubik's Cube? Raise your hand. And me too. Me too. There's a support group after church for you. Then in 1983, the top-selling gift was this thing called a Cabbage Patch doll. They were ugly, handmade dolls inspired by Chucky, yeah? They sold for $100, and they came with a birth certificate. Then in the 90s, things started getting better. In the 90s, the top-selling game was this thing called the Game Boy. Man, how many of you guys remember Tetris? You played Tetris, just got with... I'll challenge you in Tetris afterwards. And then in 1996, the top-selling gift was this. It was called the Tickle Me Elmo doll. Remember this? People were fighting, going crazy over the Tickle Me Elmo doll. Then in the 2000s, technology came. Technology changed the game. And in 2005, the top-selling gift was the Xbox 360. It sold for $299.99. People were literally killing each other and fighting. Remember this? For the Xbox 360. This was going crazy. And then in 2007 came this thing. Apple introduced something revolutionary called the iPhone. Changed the game. It's like a computer in your pocket. You can play games, read books, watch movies, TV shows, all in one device. And in 2014 came the Amazon Echo with the Alexa voice assistant. Today, they sell a top-selling gift. If you're looking for a gift for your pastor, it could be this one right here. It's called the three-in-one charging stand. It lets you charge your smartphone, your smartwatch, and AirPods all at the same time. They don't have AirPods or a smartwatch, but this is... But here's my point. It's crazy how the gift that we'll stand in hours for And we want so desperately and we'll spend hundreds of dollars, even a decade later, become obsolete and no longer relevant. But here's the message of Christmas. That if we put our attention on Jesus, that we have a gift that will never go out of style. It's a gift that changes everything. And to learn about that gift, I want to take you back to that first Christmas. And I want to take you to the story of the wise men. And it's found in Matthew 2 verse 1 this afternoon, if you have your Bible with you. Matthew 2 verse 1, he says this, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea and the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. What's interesting is just this week, there was this much talked about Christmas star. How many of you guys saw the Christmas star this Monday? It was, if you haven't missed it, here's the image of, of the Christmas star. This actually came Monday, and this is what stargazers tell us. This is, the, this is the two largest planets in our solar system, Jupiter and Saturn, aligning, creating what they call the Great Junction or the Christmas star. Experts tell us the last time Jupiter and Saturn appeared to come so closely together that it appeared to be a great star was March 4th, 1226, over 800 years ago. And the fact that this happened during Christmas season, what they're saying is pure coincidence. That's what NASA is saying. But the first Christmas star wasn't pure coincidence. It was God's providence. And God used that star 
to preach the gospel to all mankind. I, I want to call it the gospel star. Because the gospel star tells us about the amazing gift that God offers us. But before we get into that, I want to clear some assumptions about the birth of Christ, the wise men, and the first Christmas star. First, I really do hate to mess up your beautiful little nativity set, but the wise men were not present at the first manger scene. They started traveling after Jesus was born, according to the text. Scholars believe they're coming from Persia, which is about 300 miles away, so the trip would have taken several months. So this is what I want you to do. If you, look at, if you have a nativity set back home, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to the nativity set. I want you to get the wise men off the nativity set, and I want you to spread them all over the living room to show them that the wise men are still traveling to be more biblical. It might tick off your wife or your mom, but that's okay. Tell them, Pastor said we are a biblical family and we follow the Bible here. The second thing that we assume about the wise men is this, that there were three wise men. Probably based on the fact that they brought three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But the Bible doesn't specifically tell us how many wise men there were. And the third thing I want you to notice, it's very important in this passage, is what is it that leads, this, leads the wise men to Jesus? The typical answer is the star, but it's not the star. In almost every Christmas play I've ever seen, it shows the star taking the wise men all the way to Jesus. But the star only, ama- only makes them aware of a king. It doesn't take them all the way. This might mess up your Christmas story just a little bit, but nowhere in the Bible does it ever say that they followed the star to Bethlehem from Persia. It was common knowledge that the royal city for the Jews was Jerusalem. So they go to Jerusalem asking King Herod, the king of the Jews, this question in verse 2. Where is he who was born the king of the Jews? For we have seen it when it rose. They saw the star, then it disappeared, but it didn't take him all the way. See, the star didn't lead them to Jesus. But look what it was that led them to Jesus. It was the scriptures that helped them find Jesus. Look at verse 4. Herod calls the chief priests and the scribes and the people, and he inquired of them where the Christ was born. And they told him, they went back to the scriptures, in Bethlehem of Judea, verse 6 says, for, he shall come, for there shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And that's so important. Sometimes we shouldn't allow our experiences to override the scriptures. The scriptures always guide us no matter what. Over here at Freedom Church, this is one of our guiding principles. The Bible is our guidebook for living. And sometimes we'll have experiences. Sometimes we'll have moments that will kind of point us to God, but they're just signs. But actually, the Bible is the sign that we follow. And it was the Bible, it was the scriptures that made these wise men aware of where he was in Bethlehem. And as they were going to Bethlehem, the sign came up again. The star reappeared, which is pretty interesting. So who were these wise men? They were astrologers. But don't think kooky stargazing people. I want you to think of NASA scientists. They were educated men. The wise men could also be translated magi. It's where we get the word magistrates. They were rulers. See, it was Persia where the children of Israel had been sent into exile. We know that from the book of Daniel, that the greatest men of God were among the wise men, that they were educated in the finest institutions in Persia. Men like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And there's no doubt when they were in Persia, they shared the writings of Moses. They shared the prophets. They shared the hope of their Messiah. The writing of Moses and the prophets were full of prophecies that the Messiah would come. And one of these wise men that they were studying through Hebrew scripture, they must have come across this verse right here in Numbers 24, 17. 
that a star will come out of Jacob and a scepter will rise out of Israel. And I want to take you back so you can understand what's going on. God causes this unusual activity in the sky and they say, this is what we've been waiting for. There's a star that's going to lead us to the king. And what's fascinating in this time of history, it tells us that the people of this time believed that the birth and death of great kings were marked by unusual signs in the sky. One of the great flukes of history happened in 44 BC when Julius Caesar was assassinated and as he was being buried over his funeral procession appeared a supernova in the sky. And people said that this event proved that there was a key, when there was a great king that the heavens would show it to all the people. Another intriguing fact during this time was during this time there was this strange expectation of a coming king. Famous Roman historians like Suetonius and Tacitus wrote this. Suetonius wrote this, that there had spread over all the Orient an old and established belief that it was fated at the time for men coming from Judea to rule the world. So this is what's going on. God was creating this hunger in the world of his Messiah, the coming king that would come. And the first Christmas star, this is what it announces. It announces to the world that the wait is over. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is here. And this is what the first Christmas star is telling us. The gift of Jesus is available today. How many of you, in your family tradition, you open gifts on Christmas Day? Raise your hand if you open gifts on Christmas Day. How many guys open gifts on Christmas Eve? Okay, a couple on Christmas Eve, kind of maybe 60-40 split. I was raised in a family where we opened gifts on Christmas Eve from the family, and then Santa rolled up on Christmas Day, and we opened gifts, at, uh, gifts again, so it was like a double whammy of Christmas. It was amazing. I loved growing up Christmas Eve gifts, Christmas Day gifts. That was awesome. But Jennifer's family opened gifts, guess what, on Christmas Day. Scroogeville, didn't like that. So guess when our family opens up gifts? Christmas Day. <laughs> Over the years, we've had some friendly discussions on when we should let the girls open Christmas gifts. So finally, I had convinced her to let them open up some certain gifts on Christmas Eve. And guess what gifts she has let them open up on Christmas Eve? Pajamas. <laughs> Which is a form of child abuse, I might say. Let me, let me tell you, no kids should get pajamas or socks for Christmas, please. They'll need counseling if they get those things. <laughs> then I realized years later the reason why they got pajamas. I'm kind of slow. It's because Jennifer was thinking in advance, and she was thinking about Christmas morning, and she was thinking about Instagram and Facebook, and she wanted us to look cute with matching pajamas and everything. She's a little sneaky one, you know? But that first Christmas, a lot of waiting had happened until Jesus was born. Mary waited nine months. The nation of Israel had waited 400 years for a prophet to speak to them again. Israel had been f waiting 700 years for the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy in Isaiah 9-6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the good news of Christmas is that we do not have to wait anymore. Jesus is here. This Christmas, many of us will open gifts. But my prayer this Christmas is you'll discover the greatest gift of all, Jesus. See, there are rare gifts when you first receive them that you don't realize how valuable that they really are. In fact, they grow more valuable over time. It could be a family heirloom. It could be something with deep sentimental value attached to it. 
It could be a rare gift that increases in value as time goes by. For example, if you have the original Darth Vader action figure from the 1970s, it is worth $6,500 today. An original Barbie doll from 1959 in its packaging is worth $12,000. So go check your grandma's toy box just in case. See, the value of the gift that God offers is more valuable than anything you can imagine. It lasts all eternity. It never loses its value. Paul said it like this in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. That's wages is what we earn. But the gift, underlying that, of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, but God's gift isn't, doesn't just kick in when you die. It can be enjoyed today. God's gift in Jesus means this, that we can have our sins forgiven, that our past failures and mistakes and sins and biggest moments don't define us, that we can have a new start, we can have a redo. If you've been playing a video game and you didn't like the way it was going, you just reset, redo, guess what happens? Because of Jesus, you can reset your life. And on top of that, the Bible says that God came to be with us, but even more than that, he came to live in us. And that is the gift of Christmas that's available to every one of us that Jesus is here the next thing the Christmas star tells us is this that the gift of Jesus is available to everyone have you ever been to a gift a party and everybody got a gift except you kind of felt awkward or maybe there was somebody that you invited somebody invited them and you didn't get them a gift and it kind of felt awkward it's those are different awkward situations but here's the thing about Jesus Jesus doesn't exclude anybody with this gift see each of the gospels even though they tell the same story they all have a different intended audience. The writer of the Gospel of Matthew intended his audience for the Jews. In Matthew, if you read the, the Gospel of Matthew, he is constantly quoting Old Testament scriptures to show the Jews that Jesus fulfilled all the scriptures and that he was the promised Messiah. But what's interesting is that the first people that come to worship Jesus in Matthew's gospel are pagan, non-Jewish, philosophers, and wise men. And it's not an accident. Matthew intentionally put it in there to show the Jews that the Messiah is not just for them, it's for everyone. Let me tell you, Christianity is the most inclusive worldview ever. It brings together all races, the rich, the poor, the educated, the non-educated, the religious, and the non-religious. See, in most places in the world, there's a, just a localized religion. If you live there, it's assumed that that'll be a religion. If you live in Israel, it's assumed that you'll be a Jew. If you live in Thailand, it's assumed that you'll be a Buddhist. If you live in India, you're expected to be a Hindu. If you live in Iran, you're expected to be a Muslim. That's part of being brought up there. It's part of the culture. But that's not what Christianity is about. Christianity, since the beginning, is calling men from every nation and every part of the world, no matter where they're from, to tell them that Christmas star, that the gospel is for you. Even a pagan stargazer that doesn't even know the promise of the Messiah, that the gospel is for them. And it shows himself to the whole world. The love of the love of Jesus is for the world. One of my favorite verses is this, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. And underline this, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. See, God's love is inclusive and exclusive. His love included the whole world. For God so loved the world. That means whoever believes in him shall not perish. It includes everybody. But there's also a verse that says it's exclusive. That people must believe in him. 
It's exclusive in the fact that his love can only be experienced by those who believe in him. John said this in John chapter 1 verse 12. says, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. A lot of people say that we're all God's children. It's not, not the case. We're all God's creation. We all bear his image. But only those who believe him and receive him have the right to become children of God. And that's what Christmas is all about. That God has given us an opportunity to be children of God. That Jesus came to offer eternal life and everlasting joy. A joy that he can only give. Notice how the gift of Jesus impacted these wise men that first Christmas. Verse 9. After listening to the king, they found out where he was. They went on their way. And behold, what word behold means again. This is watch out. Something's coming. What happens again? The star reappears. Watch. The star that led them there, the star that gave them a sign, kind of went out. Now it reappeared. The star they had seen when it rose went before them. And until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they, underline this, rejoiced. Underline this next word, exceedingly, with. Underline that word, great. Underline that next word, joy. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Look at how Matthew describes the reaction of this wise man. It would have been sufficient to say that they were filled with joy. But Matthew raises the joy to the fourth power when it says they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy joy that means they lost their ever living minds they were like have you ever gone and see those christmas videos where a kid opens up that gift and they're like yeah or like the story for elf like santa man the wise men when they saw jesus they lost their marbles they're like yes that's what the bible says to the fourth power let me tell you this about this the gift of jesus brings you great joy there's nothing that will give you joy like Jesus. It'll nothing that will fill your heart like Jesus can. There's nothing like knowing that your sins are forgiven and you're right standing with God. The great theologian and philosopher and thinker Blaise Pascal said this. There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, only by the creator, made known through Jesus Christ. And this is what we see in our culture. People go from relationship to relationship trying to find happiness and no matter what relationship they have, they're still wanting. They go from accomplishment to accomplishment. They go from possession to possession. They go from pleasure to pleasure, and they cannot feel that vacuum in that heart. They think, if then, and they keep on trying to find it, but it's never there. We think if we had untold wealth, fame, fortune, we'd find happiness. But actor and comedian Russell Brand knows otherwise. He said in an interview in GQ, he said this, I'm famous now. I didn't used to be. But when I was younger, I always wanted to be famous. I thought it would make me happy. But now I got fame and some of the things that I could only dream of, and it ain't worked, he said. Green Bay Packer quarterback Aaron Rodgers said in an interview with ESPN, because it's not just actors, it's athletes. He says, I remember sitting on the bus after we won the Super Bowl thinking to myself, I'm on top of the world. We just accomplished the most amazing goal in football. But I'm sitting there with a semi-empty feeling because I'm a, I've accomplished everything I want to do since I was a kid. And I said to myself, is this it? Is there more to life than this? See, we try to fill our lives with all these pleasures that cannot give us true happiness. Let me tell you, only Jesus can fill that void in your heart.
And what happened to this wise man, it's exactly what happened. They were successful. They were educated. They were respected. They were wealthy. We know that through the gifts that they brought Jesus. But when they saw Jesus, it said they laid everything at their feet and they worshiped him with exceedingly great joy. They realized that everything that they had put their trust in before was worthless. By bowing down and worshiping, they were saying, my wisdom compared to you is worthless. I found what I've been looking for. And the message of Christmas is this. Nothing in this world can give you joy but Jesus. I want to ask you, do you have that joy? Do you have the joy to the world? That joy that we sung about, that joy that we're going to sing as we close, as the band comes up. Man, I want everybody to close your eyes this Christmas Eve service. I want you to just examine your heart. And I want you to really ask yourself this question. Do I am living with that joy? Or am I searching? Do I have the gift of Christmas inside of me? Or am I thinking, oh man, if, if I get this relationship, if I, if I get that job, if I get that promotion, let me tell you, there's always going to be something that you think will get you happy, but you'll never get there. Only Christ can fully satisfy you. That gnawing, that, that feeling in your heart, that vacuum that Blaise Pasquale said, only the gift of Christmas can feel that. And Jesus wants to fill you with his love this evening. Thanks again for listening to the Freedom Church podcast. We hope that you were inspired and motivated to continue to grow in your faith. Don't forget to subscribe and share with others.